what a blessing to be able to share this time with all of you. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm Pastor Terry, the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco, and it's such a blessing to have everybody be a part of what we're about to share. So grateful, so thankful. In fact, <laughs> you may have uh, noticed already, but uh, we're starting a new series, Thankful. It's going to take us, Lord willing, into and through the holidays and then right up to the new year. And, you know, I, for me, I just, I just find my heart filled with gratitude. I know th the situations in the country, in the nation, in the world, it's not resolved. There might be areas in our own life that are still troubling us, but we still have so much to be grateful and thankful for. I was reminded of some verses in the scriptures, and I just want to read them at the very outset here. Just a couple of quick ones, just to set the tone. Psalm 106.1 says this, Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 86.12, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. And then the first part of Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. I mean, what an invitation. And even now, Lord, I, I just pray that you would give us the gift of a thankful heart, a heart of, of gratitude. I mean, we can always focus on what's wrong, we can get ourselves consumed with the flaw and we can allow our fear to run rampant and fill us with anxiety. But when we choose to cultivate a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving and we lift up our eyes to you, uh, you will do amazing things. And we will find that our countenance will be lifted up and, and we will begin to sense your goodness. Gratitude produces goodness. And my prayer for all of us is that we would feel and be filled with his goodness in this good day. Yeah, I ask that in Jesus' name. So, hey, today I want to stir your heart to be thankful. I'm not, <laughs> I just want to go for it. Uh, I'm, I want to talk about being thankful for the gift of undying life. And so what I want to do, if I can say it this way, is I want to talk about life. I want to talk about death. And I want to talk about life. If you think about it, that's what we're all journeying on. That is the promise that Jesus gives us. Life, death, life. And it has everything to do with why God sent his son into this world, doesn't it? It has everything to do with, uh, with a future that, that is better than anything we can imagine. I mean, Jesus told us, via a conversation that he had. And you can read about it in John 3 with a highly intelligent and educated religious leader named Nicodemus. He, out of the context of that conversation, he, he made the statement that becomes the, the most famous verse that I think the most memorized verse, the most quoted verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, what a gift we have been given so much. If, if that was all that we had, then it's a gift that is beyond anything that we could ever deserve. 
That's why we call it the grace of God, God's love on full display, speaking into your life and into mine. But it reminded me when I was thinking about John 3:16 and what it means to be thankful for the gift of undying life. It reminded me of an interesting exchange that I had. Oh, I was years ago with an author and a deep Christian thinker, a man named Dallas Willard. Willard actually had served as a distinguished professor of philosophy at USC for in, an incredible 47 years. And he, he recently died, but uh, he left us such a wonderful legacy in his writings. And the example he set for so many has been a, a, a real impressive legacy. It has. But I recall reading his book that I consider a classic, uh, The Divine Conspiracy, how I was just struck. <laughs> you know, it was a little side piece. The book itself is amazing. It's deep waters. It's, and yet it has a pragmatic component to it that is also appealing. But it, it's impossible to, to read it without being stirred in your soul to want to follow Jesus better. But one of the things that was, it was very subtle, it was a very small thing. But I, I remember reading, when I was reading the book, The Divine Conspiracy, uh, how I was struck by uh, a unique translation that was, that, that Willard included of John three sixteen, And when I read it, the verse that I had known all my life, memorized since I was in Sunday school as a boy, uh, it, it, it caught me afresh. And, and let me just read it to you. It says, this is what Willard, Willard included. He said, God's care for humanity was so great that he sent his unique son among us so that those who count on him might not lead a futile and failing existence, but have the undying life of God himself. Now, I, I remember because not long after Willard wrote the book, I heard that he was speaking one evening in the Bay Area. And so I decided to go and I attended. And afterwards, uh, I went up to him, <laughs> right? I went up to him and I, and I thanked him for uh, his contribution in my life. I, I let him know how much I've appreciated him. I actually had a chance to sit under his uh, teaching one time when I was at Fuller Seminary uh, years before. And uh, he was a visiting professor and I just enjoyed him so much. But I, I told him how much I also appreciated his book and, and what he had to share in the evening. And I was just very complimentary. And <laughs> I told him, uh, you know, that he had been a, a blessing to me. And so, and, and then <laughs> I, I, did, I did something that, uh, well, it was like a Columbo movement. Some of you are going, what, what is that? What is Columbo? Well, Columbo was this television show that I remember when I was a boy. It was in the 1970s. And Columbo was, <laughs> it was played by a man named Peter Falk. He was a detective. And one of his skill sets was that he was always underestimated. He would wear this uh, raincoat. And if I recall, he, had, he would often have a cigar in his hand. And he would talk to a lot of times people who uh, most likely had committed a crime, but they were giving off the aura of, of their intelligence and, and how smart they were. And so they would often talk down to him. This was kind of uh, the way the show was constructed. I know I'm going into a lot of detail here, but one of the things that would happen is he would ask them a series of questions and then they would like treat him like he was a non-threat and then he would walk away. And as he was walking away, he, he would, he would go, um, 
oh, uh, and this is how I kind of remember it in my mind's eye. He'd be walking and he'd go, ah, oh, uh, just, just one more thing, just one more thing. And, and then he would ask them a question that would knock them off balance. Now, I didn't do the knock off balance part to Dallas Willard, but I did say to him, oh, you know what? One more thing here, uh, if I could ask you, you know, I was reading your book and I saw the translation that you gave of John 3.16. And I was wondering, because I, I looked everywhere, I can't find that in any of the, of the Bible translations that I have. And he goes, oh, that's, that's because it's my translation. And I said, oh, wow. Oh, you're translating. Well, well, it's a good one. It's a good one. And I really like the way you rendered that verse. And, <laughs> and we had a good laugh and I walked away. But I think, again, going back to the way that, that Willard describes and translates John 3.16, that God's care for humanity was so great that he sent his unique son among us so that we might count on him. I love that might not lead a futile and failing existence, a meaningless life, but have the undying life of God himself. That's what Jesus brought us. And I, I, I think it's one of the reasons when I, when I think of it this way and the beautiful way in which the, the verse's promise is communicated, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons I believe we should all be thankful. And for me, it's what I wanted to do to kick off this thankful series. I wanted to focus on God's greatest gift to us, Jesus, and because of him, the gift of undying life that you and I have been given and what that means. Because, you know, we're told two things in, in that verse, aren't we? And the way it was, it was um, given to us in the Willard translation. <laughs> one, we're told that God sent his unique son, no one else like him, his one and only, his begotten son, Number one, so that our existence might not be futile and failing. I mentioned that, not meaningless. That, so that we who count on him, that's, that, that's God's way of saying, and it's a great way of defining true faith. We who count on him, we who trust in him, we who depend on him. If you haven't done that, open up your life to Jesus. Decide that you are going to count on him and on what he has done. But think of it this way, that we who count on him might live a life that counts. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing, that we who count on Jesus might live a life that count, that matters, right? That counts, that matters, that we're talking about a life that is truly life. That's what we're being offered. And then secondly, that we might have the undying life of God himself. And what is that? But that he might fill us and with life in this life and carry us beyond a death's clutch into the life that is evermore and overflowing, the undying life. You know, recently I was listening to a podcast by another man who I greatly admire, another writer actually, a former pastor, a man named Gordon McDonald. And he's actually a sage and in the podcast he was being interviewed. He's now in his early 80s, so he's... He's getting, getting up there in the years. But I, I was just impressed as I was listening to him how astonishingly coherent he was. And he, he was reflecting on life and he was reflecting on uh, adulthood. And he, he talked about in his mind how there are three 
primary stages in life. And, and it's really, this interests me. And I, I like to do this every now and then is just sort of think about where I am in the span of my life. And, and, and he's, this is what, anyway, this is what McDonald said. He said, when you're young, he said, when you're young, when you're in your twenties and thirties, for example, he says, life is mostly about firsts, first things, you know, getting degrees, uh, starting a career, uh, build, you know, building something for the first time, buying things like a car for the first time, uh, marrying, having a child that this season, that season of our life is a lot about the big things are first things. But then McDonald went on to say, then somewhere along the way in the middle place, and I just love the way he put it. He says, life becomes about the sames, the sames. You do things the same for the most part. He says, life is about work and home and, and career and rhythms. And especially he says, if you're a parent, it's about, <laughs> you know, shuttling the kids. It's a, it's, it's a, it just seems to get caught up in these, these same things and days and months and years tend to be a blur. I mean, I look back on that time in our life with my wife and, and pastoring and raising a family. And, and so many of it had to do with the sames. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that season and the unique contribution that was made in that, in that season of our lives and the joy that was there. But I agree with McDonald, you know, that's that middle stage of life. It, it, it is characterized a lot by the sames. And then he said, and he kind of skipped way ahead and he said something profound and touching that caught me actually, I don't know, it caught me a little bit off guard by it, by it when he said it. It's kind of made me melancholy just for a moment, which I really don't mind. Uh, I actually like um, the feeling of melancholy every now and then. It, it, it uh, I don't know, it just makes me feel grateful. And it's that, that sense that some things won't last and it makes them even more meaningful to me. And I guess when I hear that wistful sound in a song, <laughs> that, that sadness, uh, it does, it does stir my heart in some way. Anyway, I'm, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole nother story. He, he said this about getting older. He said, in contrast to what he called the first of the young adulthood and the sames of the middle years, he says, when you edge out of your seventies, so he's pushing that to the edge into the eighties. He says, life starts to be not about first things, not about same things, but about last things. And I listened to this man and he said, you know, he says, you, you start to lose people. Uh, he says, you, you, you start to lose things, your health, your, your, your vitality. He, he says, you, you get used to saying goodbye. And you wonder when you make a trip or go on a vacation, he says, you wonder to yourself, is this the last time I'll ever make this trip to this place I've loved? You wonder, is this the last time I'll ever be able to exercise like I have so many times before? He says, you start to wonder, is this the last time I'll ever buy a car if, if, have that, or has that time passed me by already? <laughs> Is this the last time I'll ever redecorate the house, move things around? 
change it up. Is this the last year I'll even be able to live in this house? He said, some of us start thinking at that season in our lives. He goes, is this the last time we wonder if I'll ever, when we say goodbye to someone we love, is it, we wonder to ourselves, he says sometimes, is this the last time I'll ever see that person? This friend of all these years. And then, and then he said, and you, if you, you are, and then he just, like his guy just probe deep. He goes, and then if you're a believer, if you've someone who've, made a decision to welcome Christ into your life and you have that hope in you, you do start to think, he said, about heaven a little more. And you start to think about it, McDonald said, differently as the years stack up. It becomes, he said, not just theoretical, but, but something filled with wonder and hope. And you start to ask things to yourself in your private moments, like, what will it be like in heaven? Will I really get a new body? Will I really see the people I've loved again? What will it be like? He says, you start to wonder to live forever. What is that like? And what, is, what, would it, what will it mean to be in the presence of ultimate creativity? Which is how he described part of who God is. And then he said one more thing. He said, and you wrestle with your faith a little bit more. I mean, you do it in a real way. And I, I just found that fascinating. Now, that got me thinking about another conversation that Jesus had. And it's recorded in John 11. And we're told of it that what occasioned it was that Jesus had this conversation with a grieving friend and follower whose brother had just died. And the, the person he was having the conversation with was, was Martha. And she was very disappointed in the fact that Jesus's arrival had been delayed because she was convinced that if Jesus had been able to get there before her brother Lazarus had died, that, well, she, she felt that he'd still be alive. And, and because she was convinced that Jesus was a healer and that Jesus would have been able to heal him if he had only come. So she was really disappointed that Jesus had been delayed, not only feeling the wound of her loss, but also struggling with frustration uh, with, with the Lord. And this is what we read in verse 20 of, of John 11. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. That was her sister. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if, <laughs> if you had been here, Lord, I mean, I see Martha running out to him. Lord, if you had been here, you know, my brother would not have died. You heard he was ill. Why could you have made it sooner? But as if catching herself, and if I was spending a ton of time here, I would just dig deep into it. But it says, she says, but even, even now I know that, that I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you, right? Because I, I, I know he would have been alive because God hears your prayers. God moves through you, Martha was saying. Uh, you have the power to heal. I, I believe that. And so then Jesus said to her, Martha, your, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know, I, I know that he will rise again. Of course, yes, I believe that promise in the, in the, uh, in the resurrection on the last day. And and it's basically like Martha was saying, I know, Lord, someday in the future, 
at the end of the age, when God brings those who are his back to life in the resurrection, he, he will rise. I, 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 I believe that promise. I do. Jesus said to her in uh, one of the amazing statements, the, uh, we call them the I am statements of Jesus. And something that, Lord willing, I'd like to explore uh, before Easter next year. <laughs> I have been thinking about it. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, I say this, shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says, in essence, the future, this is what he is saying. The future is present and standing before you face to face in this moment. The power of life is in me. I am the the resurrection and the life. Martha, do you believe this? And a stunned and shaken Martha took, well, she took her faith as far as it could go. She took her faith as far as it could go. And she said to him, yes, Lord, I, I believe that you are, I, I believe that you are the Christ. I do the son of God who is coming into this world. And that was a great confession. And although I, I'm, I'm sure she could not, just as we cannot today, fully comprehend what Jesus was, con, was um, you know, what, well, I guess I would say it, she may not have fully comprehended actually what she was confessing and what was actually meant by the astonishing and incredible words that Jesus had spoke uh, because, you know, she, she, she had, she, she just, she was saying what we often do when we say we believe, but, but we may not really understand the, the depth of what it is we're actually saying we believe. And now we know, for example, that Jesus, much to everyone's just amazing dismay, ended up bringing Lazarus back from the dead, literally called him back to life. And that Lazarus life on earth was miraculously extended. And he evidently lived many more years before dying a second time. And that is a not so <laughs> ordinary distinction, I might add, but he did die. And so will we uh, again. Yes. Uh, it, it's just, Unless the Lord returns first, we, we will leave this world. So how thankful, loved ones, we should be. I need to say this to you today. How th as we kick off the thankful series, how thankful we should be for, for you know, number one, that, that we have a promise of, of, of life beyond this life if we follow the one who is the resurrection and the life. I mean, that's an incredible promise that we should never let go of. And then secondly, that between now and then we can live in the promise of life. Listen, <laughs> with Jesus at our side. So a promise of life to come and then the invitation to allow Jesus to walk with us in this life. You know, I rem that, that reminded me of something that C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity when he said these words, and I, I love reading them. They always speak to me. He said, the real son of God, you know, talking about Jesus being at our side, the real son of God is at your side. He is beginning to turn you into the same kind of thing as himself. He is beginning, so to speak, to inject his kind of life and thought, his, he uses a Greek word here, Zoe, that is supernatural life, into you. 
beginning to turn the tin soldier into a live man. And then Lewis makes this statement. The part of you that does not like it is the part that is still tin. That's the part of us that resists God, isn't it? So what shall we do? What shall we do, loved ones, but surrender with a thankful heart to the one who has made a claim on our life? and then choose to welcome him on our own volition, to welcome him joyfully into our life. And I don't think that's just something we do once and forever, though that first time means something very special and is catalytic. But I think it's something we get to do all the days of our lives. (laughs) If you've welcomed him in, if I've welcomed him in, then I want to stay And I want us to stay close to his side and staying close to his side is going to take intention on our part. I mean, he will be with us. The question is, will we be with him? And that's, that's an opportunity. That's a gift that, (laughs) and it's going to require intention and dedication and, and grace and dailiness because a daily devotion, right? Cause, cause we're prone to wander, right? We're prone to wander to the, if I can say it, we're prone to wander to the tin side of who we are. And what we need to be instead is by his side, close by his side so that we can become like him in the now as the years go by. And then we will walk with him into the life, which is yet to come. Um, you know, I, I, I leave you, <laughs> I leave us with this, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms. It's what we do in worship. So much of our worship is built around the psalms, singing psalms, songs and hymns and spiritual songs. But here's the key with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what we need to do. Sing to the Lord a song of thanksgiving. And yeah, <laughs> we're going to do a couple of those things in a minute as well. After we're done, I'm going to come back around and share, but we have a song that the band's going to share. But before we even do that, speaking of song, I also want to remind everybody about giving <laughs> and that we may do it thankfully unto the Lord, Right. When we love, we give. It's the way it is. And I do want to remind all of you, to, and I'm appreciative, I am, of how faithful you have been under the Lord in your tithes and your offerings. And so many of you give beautifully so that we can do what we've been called to do as a, as a church and make this journey together. Remember, you can give by sending it into our offices. You can give, uh, yeah, you can give online or through our website or through the app, but Like I say, let's always first give the Lord Jesus our heart. But I have one, one little thought. It's a little gem to me that I want to share with you after we finish with the song that the band's going to give to us. May we gratefully receive it together. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we open up our hearts to you. In Jesus, in your name, amen. Sometimes sorrow is the door to peace Sometimes heartache 
is the gift I need You're faithful, faithful in all things In every high, in every low On mountain tops, down broken roads You're still my rock, my hope remains I'll rest in the arms of Jesus, come what may shepherd leads me to still waters and he restores my soul the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures so good to be able to sing unto the Lord and receive the blessing he has for us. I mentioned to you that I had one more little thought, and it's actually a quote from uh, poet George Herbert. He said this, I was just thinking, thinking about Thanksgiving. He said, thou hast given, to, he wrote this to the Lord, thou hast given so much to me. Thou hast given so much to me. Give me one more thing, a grateful heart. And then he said this, not thankful when it pleaseth me as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise. <laughs> That's so good because it's a reminder that God's blessings never take a day off. They don't. 
Uh, he is with us even in the hardest places and the most dangerous spaces. The Lord is there by our side, waiting for us to walk with him. He's our good shepherd. How thankful we should be for the Lord, for the promise of life, for him being with us in this life. May his grace cover you. May he keep you. May he keep you in every way, in your spirit, in your body, in your soul, and in your mind. And may he fill you with a heart of gratitude. Yeah, and me too, in Jesus' name.